Well, Northside family, good to be together today. And can we just thank the Lord one more time for just that time to worship him and to sing. I tell you, the reason why we worship, this is a, a chance for our hearts to be recentered. If you're wondering what church is all about, it is all about Jesus. That's why we're doing this series, Icon. And when we worship, even if you don't sing, just to focus your heart and your mind on those words, what happens is it puts Jesus in his rightful place. And when he's in his rightful place, that's why we're doing this whole series, we begin to know who we are, we begin to know why we exist and what we're here for, and that is the goodness of Jesus. I don't know what your week has been like, it's been kind of interesting to walk around southern Indiana during March Madness and everybody walk with their head down, right? You know, all Kentucky fans and Indiana fans and you L fans, your head's been down for a long time. And, uh, you know... It, but you Purdue fans, today's your day, right? You know, and, and yeah, four of you. And, uh, you know, and this way, you know, but literally it's one of these things, and I love it. I hope they win, man. I, I picked them to go far. But, but what's interesting is we come into this place and we have a lot going on. Maybe you came in here and you checked your kids in and you're like, you will go into your class today, right, in the name of the Lord. And then somebody asks you, how's everything going? Oh, everything's going great. Right? And we're like, really? Are you sure? You know, and it's one of those things. And, and oftentimes when we come in here, things are kind of disjointed and out of place. But that's why we're doing this series, Icons, so that we can see Jesus for who he is. You know, what's interesting is early on, hundreds of years ago, the reason why church would have stained glass in the church was this. Oftentimes the culture where the church was, it was an illiterate culture. So people would come in and, and they wouldn't have a Bible or they couldn't read the Bible, but they would come into the church building and they would see what Jesus has done. And their lives, when they came into that place, they would be reminded about who he is, what he's done, that he was fully God and yet fully God came and was a man and laid his life down to give us a new way and a new life. And that's our whole hope with this series, Icon, is that we would begin to see Jesus for who he is. Because even if you're not a believer, even if you're not a follower here today or online today, here's what we all have in common in this room. All of us are looking for examples to become more than what we are right now. As a dad, I'm looking for godly examples and godly wisdom. Turns out I've never been a dad of a nine, six, and four-year-old before. And I'm sitting here just in full confession going, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. The only thing is this, I've never been this before. And I'm looking for inspiration and I'm looking for guides and I'm looking for people, godly men and women who can shape and speak into my life. For all of us in this place, we want to become more than who we are. But the question is, where are you looking to become more than who you are? All of us in this place, you know, we grew up looking at icons. We grew up looking at people that we would idolize, that we would want to become like, whether it was sports figures or, or maybe it was musicians or if it was business leaders. Some of you here today, you want to be like Elon Musk and go to Mars, right? You know, and, and God bless you, right? I mean, what, what a great way to dream and think. That's kind of the giftedness and the wiring of God. You know, but all of us in this place, we're looking for inspiration, this is why like every household I seem to go into, there's this new magazine I see everywhere. It's called Magnolia, right? And it's become like the new like destination, right? For ideation, right? I don't even know the whole concept of everything, but it's all about design. And here's what I know about design for a lot of us. We're looking for inspiration. I, I love what the quote they say about Pinterest. It's where good ideas go to die. You know, and it's like everybody have all these good ideas and we ought to do this and we ought to do this. And then we do none of it, right? But, you know, I tag that, right? And I'm following that, right? And, 
But the thing is, because every single person, we want to become more than what we are. But what's shaping you and I? And not only that, what happens when the thing that we're allowing to shape our lives lets us down? Had a good friend who took his son up to a Pacers game this last week. And it wasn't because his son wanted to go see any of the Pacers. It was because one of the teams coming into town was his favorite player. And so he spent a bunch of money, got him tickets, good dad, road trip. We're going to see the game. Lee had built it up as the only game they really wanted to go see all year. And they get into the Pacers game. His son has this kind of his idol's jersey on. He's all decked out only to find out right before the starting lineup, his idol has decided to take the night off. They were like, we looked at it like this was months in the making. This was the game. Let down. And what do you and I do? The people around us, maybe not even the people around us. What do you do when you let yourself down? Where, Where do you turn? How do you move forward? See, I believe this is why in the New Testament we find over 200 names for who Jesus is. There's a theme in the Bible, it's this, the Old Testament points to the fulfillment of Jesus. Everywhere through the New Testament is painting this picture of Jesus because here's what God wants you and I to do. He wants you and I to have a bigger picture of Jesus than we could ever dare to dream or imagine. See, we have a God who is alive and active. I love, for some of us in this place, we're going, Nate, I'd love to have a vibrant faith. I don't even know where to begin. You know what it says about Jesus in Hebrews? It says that Jesus is the author of our faith. See, you and I, we don't even have to try to form our own faith. All you and I need to do is begin to look at Jesus, who's the author of our faith. And then it says this, he's also the perfecter of our faith. Some of us are trying to be good Christians here today all on our own doing only to become more frustrated at yourself and at God. And what God is saying is this, it's not about you making yourself better. It is about the power of God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. He's the author. He's the perfecter. He's the lion. He's the lamb. He's the first. He's the last. He's the king. He's the son of God. This is what Jesus says about himself. I love it. We need to hear this today. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Anybody remember? The life. I'm your life. Do you see the icon today? Do you see this one, Jesus? This is why we've been walking through Colossians chapter one because Paul writes a hymn in Colossians chapter one, verse 15 through 20. And here's what he wants you and I to get. Here's the whole big idea over a couple weeks leading up to Easter is this, is that our lives become clearer when we see Jesus for who he really is. Your life, even no matter if you're going through a painful season right now, when you and I see him for who he is, we will begin to see who we really are because here's what God wants you and I to do today. Don't settle for a substitute. Don't settle for a substitute. Don't settle for anything else in this life. But allow the icon, Jesus, to define you. What we find is this, in the Bible, we find this contrast, and what you find in your journey of faith today is this contrast. Will we follow the icon, Jesus, or will we follow the idols in this world? And here's the thing, idols are always something that's good, but we make it our everything. And it won't be long before you and I, 
We'll let others down. We'll let ourselves down. But the icon will never let us down. I want to encourage you to do this within this series. Uh, we're just going to be looking at one verse every week. Today we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. If you've got your Bible or your Bible app, I want to encourage you to open it up. And uh, we're just going to look at this one verse. Some of you are already getting excited. It's like, sweet, one verse. It's going to be a short sermon. Nope. And, uh, you know, but but this is is why we're only doing one verse at a time is this, because there is so much in this passage. Paul is wanting the church in Colossae, and he's wanting you and I to get a bigger picture of who Jesus is. And so listen what he writes. Actually, I want to encourage you to write out on a note card this week, maybe put it on your desk or your cubicle or in your car, and memorize verse 16, and you'll see why here in a second. Listen what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created. All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, the spiritual realm, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created, and here it is, by him and for him. By him and for him. Here's who our icon is in our life. He is the artist and the architect. He's the one who's created all things, and he's the one who is building all things. If you've ever ever built something, some project, typically you gotta have three people on a job, and it's this. One, you gotta have an artist who can sketch out what you love to see happen, but here's the thing. You don't just need an artist, you need an architect who can draw it out, and then you don't just need an architect, there's a third person you need, you need a builder. Now, here's the thing. If you talk to a builder, you'll go, hey, draw me something awesome. And all they'll give you are 90-degree angles, right? And they're like, because that is awesome, right? When things actually stand up and do what they're supposed to do, right? And here's the thing. Typically, you don't want an architect or a builder as your artist. And you don't want your artist to be your builder because it won't stand up, right? It's going to look really cool for like a day, and then it's going to fall apart. But here's the beauty of Jesus. He says, by him, all things were created and all things are for him. Here's why this is a big deal. It answers two of the deepest questions our souls will ask in our entire life. It's this, who am I and why am I here? Who am I and why on earth am I here? In those two phrases, By him, here's who you are. It is your identity. This is who we are. This is why when we become followers of Jesus, you and I become sons and daughters. And here's what I love about it. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says that you and I are made in God's image and not just his image. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, for good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. We find our identity and we find our purpose in Jesus. Oftentimes, the mistake we make is this. We forget who's in charge. I I love this exchange in John chapter 19. Uh, Sometimes we we bypass this, uh, but but we forget that Jesus is literally, we don't just sing that song, he's over everything. That's what the scripture says, that he is over everything. And in John chapter 19, Jesus has this exchange with Pilate. He's about ready to be crucified. And Pilate is questioning him. And he says this in verse 8. They said, well, Jesus is proclaiming that he's the son of God. And he says this in verse eight, and it said, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid and he went inside the palace and he asked Jesus this question, 
Where do you come from? Jesus gave him no answer. And then Pilate said this, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? Isn't it funny when we tell God our plans, right? They said, I heard one, one, somebody said this, they go, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? Don't you know who I am, God? He's like, yeah, I know who you are. Pilate, don't you realize, Jesus, I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered him, you have, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate, you don't know who you are. And you don't know who's set up all the government structures, created all things. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of even a greater sin. See, you and I desperately need to know who we are This is why Paul writes this. He said, here's who we are. Our identity is found in Christ. This is who we are. We are made in his image. And he is the one that we are made for. See, all of us in this place, we need a purpose. This is why even, maybe you've said this before, I've said this before growing up. God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? All of us in this place, we long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We long to contribute. We long to create. And this is why we got to hang on to this phrase that everything was made by him and everything is for him. He is our purpose. But here, it took me years to figure this out because I would, I would always ask that question, what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose? And then it finally dawned on me after I had people speak into my life. Your purpose doesn't exist for you. Purpose always exists for someone else. This is why we keep saying, I'm just trying to find my purpose. And this is why you'll never find your purpose. Your purpose is for something larger than yourself. This is why for us as a church, you go, what's your, all's church, what's your purpose here at Northside? You know what our purpose is? Connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. Oh, man, I hope you get built up. This is why we have life groups. I hope you experience all that God has. I hope you unleash every good gift that God has in your life. But I'm telling you this, the purpose of the church exists for those who are not a part yet of the church. Jesus even said it this way in Luke chapter 19, 10. He knew his purpose. He said this, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That's why I'm here. He knew his purpose. He says this in John chapter four, I love it. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. We go, man, why was God, why was Jesus so confident in God? Because he knew who he was and he knew his purpose. Here's the key though to you and I understanding who we are and our purpose in life. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. It's this, it's about our dependency not our capacity. Let me set in for a second. You'll begin to know who you are and your purpose when you begin to live a life of dependency, not focused more on your capacity. Here's how this plays out in my life when I mess up that order, when I begin to believe my life is more about my capacity than dependency on Jesus. It's this. Oftentimes, there'll be heroes of the faith, even preachers that I'll look up I remember one Sunday, I preached a passage, I went home, and I listened to this other preacher that I really liked, and he preached the the exact same service, and it was about 10 times better, right? And I sat there that night defeated, and this is all I could say, God, why can't I preach like that guy? 
Some of you are asking the same thing, right? You know, you're going, no, I'm just not right. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we focus more on our capacity, all we keep replaying is this phrase in our, man, in our mind. God, why can't I do blank more like them? Why can't I be more like them? Why, can't I, why am I not gifted like them? And here's what begins to happen in our mind. All we can think about is our capacity or our lack of capacity and not our dependency. See, everything begins to change when we realize everything is made by him and for him. Here's what I began to see in my own life is this. I take my eyes off the icon, and here's the idol I'll replace them with if I'm not careful, and I've done this before, and oftentimes it's sneaky. This is what idols do. They sneak into our lives, and here's what begins to be our focus. Instead of focusing on dependency, this is what we'll focus on. It's the idol of our plans. Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with making a plan. Matter of fact, Proverbs talks about this, getting people together around you to have great plans, to have great wisdom. Here's the only thing is this. What happens to you and I when our plans change? Boy, those three words have rocked us over the last two years, hadn't it? Change of plans. Get those emails, phone calls from the school system. For some of you, you get those emails or phone call from your boss. Change of plans. And under our breath, we all said, I'll show you a change of plans. Right? You know what I'm saying? Because here's what happens. We don't like when our plans change. And we don't like when we are not in control. And here's what happens a lot of the times in us. When our plans change and when things get uncomfortable, we don't know what to do. But here's what I'm finding, and this is what this passage is drawing us to, is this. It's not wrong to have great plans. It's not wrong to dream great dreams. The only thing is this. Jesus is saying this. He's going, it's not about how big of plans you have. It's how deep is your dependency on me. Dream great dreams. Have big plans. But don't forego your dependency so what I was struck by in, in the passages is this. If you study the life of Jesus, there was only one thing that amazed Jesus. There's only one thing. And it wasn't even from a believer yet. But it was the Roman centurion. And it said this about the Roman centurion. It said, and Jesus was amazed at his faith. So if you and I want to impress God, it's not by our capacity. He gave you your capacity. You want to impress God? You want to see God do an unbelievable work in your life? Here's what he's looking for. Dependency. Dependency. People who would be willing to walk in to what God has for him. The only thing is this. We got a picture. This is why it's so important. Because it's dependency that grows our capacity. We want to become more than what we are. Here's how you and I become more of what Jesus wants for us. It is through our dependency on Jesus. This is why he told his disciples the last night with them in John chapter 15, verse 5, he gets his disciples together and he goes, I don't want you to be confused. Listen to what he tells them. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he said, and if a man remains in me and I in him, he says this, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, when you quit living dependent on me, you're going you're gonna to quit seeing the fruit that comes out. And the order is really important. He doesn't say this, bear much fruit, and then maybe I'll hang out with you. Jesus says it this way, 
hang out with me, be dependent on me, walk with me, and watch as I bring great fruit into your life. I love this learning community that I've joined this last week. And there, there's about seven of us leaders. Some of us are pastors. Some of us are business leaders. And we're getting together uh, once a month over the next year. And we have some people pouring into our lives that are so much further down the road of faith. And Because here's what I know about myself. I've not arrived. I've got more to grow in. I've got more to learn. And what I love this week was this, that the leader... Uh, Dave Ryder's his name. He, I, he's just pouring into us. And, and he said, here's the thing about our minds. He said, our mind matters because oftentimes we believe everything is dependent on us. And he said, there's two different things that we can live by. He said, either, here's what will happen. He goes, we'll begin to follow the death spiral that begins to believe everything depends on us or we'll step into the life loop. And he drew this picture for me. I'm a visual learner. He said, here's what the death spiral looks like. He said, Here, here's what begins to, to have our life fall off track. He said, you wake up full of anxiety and worry. How is this going to work out? I don't know. So what you do is next, you live full of fear and control. He said, so then it leads to you and I striving, driving, and achieving to see what kind of results we can get. The only thing with results is this. One, if you get good results, guess what? People are going to promote you. And then you're going to be full of anxiety to go, oh, no, I got to do it again. Or you don't get the results you're looking for. And now a whole new set of fear and anxiety comes in and striving and driving happens. Or he said, here, he goes, here's the problem with the death spiral. He said, it's all up to me. And he said, the life loop is this. That we start with who we are in Jesus. That we start with our identity and our faith that our Heavenly Father loves us and that he's given us his son and everything was made by him and for him. And then he says what happens is this. When we begin to discover that, that is what creates gratitude and blessing in our life. We're not waiting for our plans to come together. We're not waiting to graduate college. We're not waiting to get married. We're not waiting to have kids. We know God has blessed us in Jesus, which then changes our life to be a life of trust and hope and obedience, which produces fruit, which reminds us this is all a blessing from God. And he said, here's the difference. One is it's all up to me. The other is it's all up to God. And this is the life that God is inviting us into, a life of dependency, a life that moves in to relationship with him. Some of you are going, Nate, that sounds great. I, I want to grow in dependency. I don't know how to start. I want to invite us to look at Psalm 37 because here's what happens. Here's how you and I begin to move into dependency. It's this. Dependency is about learning how to delight in God. If you know King David from the Old Testament next to Moses, he's like the second greatest man in the, book of, in the entire Old Testament. And here's what we find about King David's life. Boy, he was skilled. He was a musician. He was a leader. He could do all sorts of stuff. But listen what he says in Psalm 37. He begins to write how he walks in dependence with God because this is what the New Testament summarizes David as. This is what he calls him. It says that David, more than any of his capacity, more than him being king, more than him being a musician, he wrote the majority of all the Psalms says that David was a man after God's own heart. Man, what a great goal for you and I. That at the end of our life, that people said this, more than our skill, more than what we achieved, 
more than our title, they said this about you and I. They were someone who was after God's own heart. What a legacy. It's what David says in Psalm 37, verse 4. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Let the Lord be your joy. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It could be today that the reason why your plans are frustrating you is because you're not taking time to delight in the Lord first. And oftentimes what I found is this. When I delighted in the Lord first, he changed my plans. I'm like, hey, 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 you can't be doing that. And he's like, no, no, Nate, here's the problem. You were delighting more in your plans than you were in me. And I want to begin to do some new things. And so the order matters. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then he goes on and he says this, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. We can be honest, when Sam had us raise our hands during worship, it got a little awkward, didn't it? Some of you thought, when are you going to bring out the snakes next? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, sometimes in worship, man, we raise our hands, it gets a little awkward. And here's why, because we, we hold on to our plans so tight. And we white knuckle our way through life. And so when we spend some time with our hands open, it is uncomfortable. But David said, this is the way of growing independency. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he's going to do this. He's going to make your righteousness shine like the dawn. And the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. See, God is about justice. He's about his type of justice. A biblical justice. Then he says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I dug into the Hebrew here. This is what it means. Turn off your phone. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You're like, wow, really? No, no, this way, right? I have to do that. If I'm going to be still before the Lord, that's just me. Here's what I know. Either I need to leave my phone in the other room or I got to turn it off. That's just the way I'm at. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Then he says this, do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret because it only leads to evil. Here's what happens in all of our life. We'll begin to fret about things. In Bible college, this is what I'd fret about. God, why do they have a girlfriend and I don't? I'm so much more worthy than them. Real spiritual stuff, right? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Things begin to fret. Things begin to look around. God, why aren't my plans going like their plans? God, why aren't you blessing me like you've blessed them? Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Here's why. Because oftentimes... We need to change the plans. We need to change the plans. And when we slow down to focus on our icon, it might not be that your change of plans is a career change. Maybe it is. But oftentimes what happens is this. The change of plans is just about who's in charge of your plans. And when we slow down, we begin to know that our icon is in charge. For by him, everything was created in heaven and on earth, 
visible, invisible, rulers, powers, authorities, all things. What I love about the Bible is this, over and over again, it's a story of people who have a change of plans. Uh, One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of James. And, And I don't know if it's because James, the way he writes, he came to faith later on in his life. And if you've ever talked to somebody who's come to faith when they were 25, 30, 40 years old, you see this urgency in their life because they know what it was like to live without Christ for the first 25, 30 years of their life. And now they are just fired up, they're serious. And what I love about James is this, man, he doesn't hold anything back. He just comes full bore. I don't know if it's personality or his life, but listen what he says. He has a change of plans. He was Jesus's half brother and didn't believe in Jesus when he was here. But later on, he has a change of plans, begins to follow Jesus, and then he becomes the head pastor of the church in Jerusalem. You talk about a change of plans. And listen what he says about allowing Jesus to be our icon. He says in verse 13, chapter four, he says, now listen, You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And then listen to the question he asked. What is your life? What is your life? Identity. Purpose. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, James says, you ought to say this, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James isn't saying don't have plans. He's just saying, start with if it's the Lord's will. He says, as it is, you boast and you brag and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James says, you and I today, he says, here's how we walk in the plans of God. Dream great dreams, have great plans, but start with this. Lord, if it's your will, this is where I'd love to go. But God, I'm going to let you be the artist and the architect of my life. God, I'm going to let you design the path of my life. God, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the pen. God, I'm going to allow you to craft this. I'm going to allow, allow you to lead in this because what James is calling us to, what Paul is calling us to is this, it's allow God's will to become our life's work. It's what God is inviting you and I into, to allow his will to be our life's work to allow his will to be over our families, to allow his will be over our career, to allow his will to be over your retirement, to say, God, I'm gonna step into what you have. Question though for you and I today is this. Where's the Lord leading you to a change of plans? Where's the Lord inviting you to say, God, I, I need, I need you. Here's what I love about Jesus, our artist and our architect. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Because he doesn't just say for you and I to allow Jesus to lead our life. Jesus allowed God to lead his life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, this is what Jesus says. He starts with his identity and he starts with his purpose and his prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. Some of you know this. Listen to what he says. He says, our Father in heaven, what? Anybody remember? Hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. The artist and the architect allow God to be his artist and his architect. Where do you need to allow the Lord to be your artist and your architect? Maybe you need a new script for your life. You need a new story for your life. Last night after service, I loved it. There's a lady named Janice who was here and she was visiting from New York, her friend Lisa. And afterwards, we didn't have any baptism scheduled and I saw a big group of people over here. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, Janice is getting baptized. And I said, well, what's her story? Like, she's only in here from New York for this week. She's leaving back tomorrow. And I went and I found her. I said, Janice, what's going on? She just looked at me. She goes, change of plans. I said, Janice, that's what I'm talking about. She said, the, she said, the Lord has been working on my life for a number of months. And she said, I just heard you say, change your plans, change your plans, change your plans. She said, it was time to change my plans. And this is what I love about our Savior. When we delight ourselves in him, when we allow him to be our artist and our architect, this is what he does. He begins to write a bigger story. He begins to write a better story. He begins to clean out the idols and the scripts in our minds that we listen to rather than the story and the goodness and the grace of God. Here in a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to take the bread and the juice. And there is no better example of a change of plans than what we saw Jesus do on the cross. That no longer did you have to be good enough. No longer is it about you. It is about the icon who is redeeming and renewing all things. And what happens is when we take communion, when we take the bread and the juice, we declare, Jesus, you are my change of plans. Jesus, you are my identity. Jesus, you are my purpose. Jesus, you are over everything. And so in a moment after I pray, I'm gonna invite you to take a moment. We're gonna put some scripture on screen. And this is a moment just to delight in the goodness of Jesus. Maybe you do need to take a step of baptism. Maybe you need to allow Jesus though. to write a brand new story in your career, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships. Because everything is created by him and for him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you allow us to sit with you even in our imperfections. God, you allow us time with you when we're honest with our failures. Because Jesus, that's why you came. You came to redeem us. You came to set us free. You came to give us bigger plans than we could ever draft for ourselves. Father, I pray just in this moment For anybody who's allowing their plans to define them more than you, Jesus, I just pray for your freedom and grace to overwhelm them right now. Lord, we need a different way, and our different way is found in you. 
And so Jesus, as we take communion right now and as we sing to you, Jesus, have your way. Have your way today in us. May we be found in you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. Let's take a moment, take communion when you're ready, and then we'll sing together.